Oh, this is I I I I forgot how much fun this is. Trying to organize a massive Skype call. Yep. Yeah. This is relatively prime. Nonsensical formulas in the mathematical domain. I am Samuel Hansen. On this very special holiday episode of Relatively Prime, I'm joined by some old friends for a conversation about some of my favorite mathematical nonsense. So grab yourself a cup of hot cocoa and join us around this warm and crackling fire while we tell you the tale of how mathematics can make sure that you have the most perfect... Actually, I don't want to spoil it for you. So instead, how about we just go right to the conversation? It is the holiday season, which to me, as a person who reads mathematical articles in newspapers and on websites, means that it is inevitably the time for the perfect formula for some sort of Christmas thing. Uh, And so, joining me on this Relatively Prime, I have brought back some of my old mathematics friends from AP Radical, Christian Perfect, Peter Rowlett, and Katie Steckles. Hello, happy holidays, happy Christmas, and happy maths. I don't usually say that, so that that's for y'all. Oh wow, that's very kind. Um, you didn't introduce Paul. Oh, uh, is sorry, Paul. Are you yeah, there? Yeah, Paul is I'm... also as a, as a fellow a periodical writer, and my husband Paul is just adjacent to me at all times, so he's here as well. Shortly, I'll be going to do shopping. Yeah, Paul is literally in the festive spirit, going Christmas shopping in about thirty seconds. So, <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic live Christmasing as we talk. That's brilliant. And this this is everything that anyone comes on to relatively prime to listen to is definitely live Christmasing. (laughs) So uh, what what is it about the Christmas season that seems to bring out uh, these perfect formulas from it seems specifically your newspapers? (laughs) There's a lot of stuff to sell at Christmas. That's, yeah, that's it's because the they're essentially adverts, aren't they? They're, they're literally just a cheaper way of getting an advert, getting a full page in a newspaper. Rather than paying for an advert, they will pay a mathematician some paltry sum or like send them a free bottle of champagne or something. And in return, they will get like a full page article in a newspaper, which the newspaper presents as being scientific fact, but it's actually just a massive advert. Yeah. I'm not, you know, it's not that I'm annoyed about this or anything, you know. Is this is this something that doesn't happen in your country? Should you explain what it is we're talking about? I so I, I guess that I probably should. Uh, I'll I'll look at this one, which is actually featuring work from someone in my country. Uh, it was one that was published on the fourth of December this year, and it is titled "Is This the Happiest Christmas Song in the World." Scientist finds the formula for the perfect festive tune guaranteed to improve your mood, which I mean, that's that's some pretty, uh, pretty solid uh, headline writing. It's way too long for a headline. Uh, And (laughs) in it, they talk to a 
Boston musicologist, Dr. Joe Bennett, uh, who has apparently studied lyrics, tempo, and musical key of 200 Christmas songs and found that the best tempo is 115 beats per minute uh, and that you should mention the word Christmas a lot, 21 times, (laughs) uh, because that's been, quote, proven to evoke happiness in people. What I liked about this was in the headline, it says scientists finds the formula for the perfect festive tune guaranteed to improve your mood. And then the opening quote from him is there is no simple formula for a successful song. <laughs> Which, yeah, so that was, that was my favorite too. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's essentially the point that a lot of these miss, that they're basically trying to model something that is in fact immensely complex. Um, and they just sort of do a bit of data gathering and sometimes they put linear regression on it and find an equation or sometimes they like identify factors that are positive. Uh, but they're literally never going to get anything that is scientific. Like if you put together a song that had exactly 21 mentions of the word Christmas and had exactly the right tempo and so on, there's no guarantee that it would be in any way a good song. Uh, and and those 21 references to Christmas Day uh, were because of a recent study by the University of Vermont, uh, where they <laughs> found it was a keyword uh, that evoked happiness. You can find the archive article, and it's uh, entitled Positivity of the English Language. <laughs> I'm just mildly astonished that they actually linked to that archive article at the end of the Daily Mail piece. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Which is a much higher standard than the vast majority of the British press. That's true. They liked what they were doing. <laughs> they did link to that, but they in no way linked to the actual thing that this Dr. Joe Bennett <laughs> apparently wrote. Ah, oh, nice. So they've done so, sort of um, what we would do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just link for more information. If you fancy following it up, just follow the link to the archive. Yeah. Uh, they did have a version <laughs> of the song which uh, includes lyrics such as. Wrap it and send it, Christmas, however you spend it, make December last forever, whoa, Christmas. <laughs> I imagine there's a tune or a melody for that that makes it a bit more compelling. <laughs> sound. You're, you're, you're probably right, but... I don't have the rights to play the song. <laughs> <laughs> but so you're you're um you were talking, Katie, about these sort of being unmeasurable things, and I, I have a little sheet of these because I at the moment I teach first year undergraduates mathematical modelling, and one of the things that we try and impress upon them is how to sort of check that your model makes sense once you've made a model, um, and as part of that we do a bit of uh, dimensional analysis, and so. I have a set of these that we sort of give out to students, but the, one of those is formula for the perfect Christmas tree. And one problem with this is that it isn't a formula for a Christmas tree at all. It's a formula for decorating a Christmas tree. But anyway, one of the formula is length of tinsel. And the length of tinsel is given as 13 eighths of pi times the height of the tree, which <laughs> apart from the fact that it's a massively subjective thing, right? as to how much tinsel you think makes a tree look nice is not something that can be precisely determined. So that just infuriates. But being third, being a, a dimensionless factor, 13 eighths of pi, some number, times the height of the tree in centimetres, at least gives you a length mm. for the tinsel. Like, I'd be interested to know where these shops are that you can buy tinsel 
by length. Like if I go on my <laughs> tinsel, it's just one piece of tinsel. Like and, and, the, yes, and how many decimal places do they go to? To the shop. And also, how do you measure tinsel? Like it, it has a weird surface area. So how exactly are you measuring the length? Yeah, what thickness of tinsel are they implying here? Because if you have a much thicker tinsel, like I saw one yesterday that was about five inches thick like it was the most ridiculous yeah. tinsel i've ever seen if you get the most pathetic weedy tinsel it's not going to fix your tree is it even if you've got the length right yeah all true uh, and then they have length of lights which is pi times the height of the tree is it's it's one of those marvelous um unreasonable effectiveness of mathematics things that it comes out to be precisely pi i'm, I'm sure you'll agree um, and then the other one is number of baubles, which is root 17 over 10 times the height of the tree. And that, that one amuses me particularly because that gives you a measure for number of baubles that comes in centimetres. Nice. But also it's never an integer. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, unless you happen to have a very specifically weirdly heighted tree. Um, it's not an irrational yeah. height. But it is always quite fun to look at these things from a, um, a dimensions point of view. There's a there's a formula for Blue Monday, which you sort of see all over the place. Oh, no, just that we we can't we can't uh, move away from the tree thing without mentioning that it is often referred to in the articles that cover this as trigonometry. Trigonometry. Oh. That's, that almost makes it worthwhile. Sure. <laughs> um, the the Blue Monday. It has it. I don't know how to. So it's W plus big D minus little d, all times T to the power Q, and then all of that over M times NA. And then I couldn't find all of these things defined, but W is weather, little d is debt. I like the T to the Q term because T is time since Christmas and Q is time since failing our New Year's resolutions, which makes that a time to the power time term. <laughs> And then M and N are about motivation and things like this. You're dividing by things. Like, but I, I, it doesn't tell you what big D is. Okay. But big D, so you do big D, subtract little d. And little d is debt. So therefore, big D must be measured in money as well. Otherwise, it would be nonsense to subtract one from the other. Yeah. And then they're both, uh, the, the difference of those is added to the weather. So that means that weather is also measured in money. Um, or death is measured in weather or death is measured in weather perhaps uh, I, f I feel like that would be a very english way of measuring debt yeah well i mean they do say make it rain right that's that's one isn't it so we finally come down to why it's called make it rain because that's measured yeah. in weather yeah. no, I I guess the thing about this, because this is this Blue Monday thing where it's like they've worked out exactly which day is the most depressing day of the year. And in a massive surprise, it's a bit after Christmas when you've just spent all your money and it, the weather's terrible and it's not going to be Christmas anytime soon. And all of these really obvious factors. And I guess with a lot of these, quite often when you step back from it, what they're basically saying is something that's quite obvious, but they've then just put some maths on it to kind of justify it. Um, like there was one recently that was about um, the perfect temperature to cool a bottle of champagne to, uh, to get like the right sound when you pop the cork, I think it was. Um, and it actually, it turns out it's kind of ridiculous because the noise or the note that you get doesn't depend on the temperature. <laughs> like they've done this entire thing where they've worked out what exactly what temperature you need and how long you need to chill the, the champagne for. And if you actually talk to a scientist who studies like bubbles or physics or anything like that, it actually doesn't depend on that at all. So it's completely nonsense anyway. But if you look at it kind of 
sensibly, yes, it is sensible to put champagne on ice for about 45 minutes before you drink it. Um, and anyone who does that will find that they have a nice, pleasant bottle of champagne. But whether it will affect the noise that it makes or anything like that, I don't know. But, you know, the, they almost always come out with some kind of sensible conclusion, like don't do this too much or try and avoid doing this thing or you might be sad in January. Watch out for that. Like it's it's kind of. <laughs> just sort of back solving a, an existing known fact that everyone's known for years kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's kind of pre-baked in, right? One of the ones I have on my list is formula for the perfect tights for any weather. And I know the person who did this. And before he did it, I told him he shouldn't do it because these things are always nonsense. But anyway, he was, he was keen to do it. And basically, he picked a curve that he thought would give him the right sort of wear thicker tights if it's colder sort of result <laughs> and then made up some numbers to make it fit the curve. And it's just that sort of I mean, that's why it's quite so useful for trying to teach first years about mathematical modeling is that you've this isn't that, you know, you've sort of just made up some stuff to fit the conclusion that you want it to fit. And that's not really quite right for how these things should work. But some of them are, are quite almost meaningful like that. And then some of them are this other kind of nonsense, like the Blue Monday formula that just seems to be, well, we just put some things together. I have one that's formula for the perfect pancake where one of the parameters is L represents the number of lumps in the batter and C equals its consistency, and then there's some stuff about pan temperature and time the batter stands. And it's just like, here are a collection of things that we think you should take into account when making a pancake. And then we've arranged them in a formula. And for some reason, we've put two of them on the bottom of the, of the, of the fraction rather than the top, and we don't really know why. But yeah, so some of them are a lot more um, metaphorical as a formula. Um, and this other one that you've sent, Sam, is a bit like that, I think. Formula for the perfect Christmas day. I mean, who doesn't want to know exactly how to have a perfect Christmas day? But yeah, it is one of those things that you can look at it and you can go, OK, what conclusion have they decided they're going to come to? And therefore, they've constructed this equation around it. And it turns out their conclusion is don't spend the whole day on your phones or playing games or watching TV. Spend the time with your family. Have a nice Christmas. Like, that's literally all it says. There may be some other factors in there yeah there is one of the factors here tq which is the time of the queen's speech so i don't know how this affects my christmas yeah, well, i think what they're trying to do is they've got like the time that the tv is switched on and the time that the queen's speech is on and like it's not massively clear from the equation but if you read the kind of blurb that comes with it it sounds like what they're trying to say is that you should only have the tv switched on when the queen's speech is on and that's how you uh, optimize the day because if you have the tv on for any other time then you're you know ruining your family time together or whatever but you should definitely watch the queen's speech because you know britain daily mail etc yeah there th this was definitely done by mathematicians who are quite staunch monarchists yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean i literally don't know anyone that actually watches the queen's speech on christmas day because we're all too busy stuffing our faces and watching doctor who but it's that's what that's the true meaning of christmas but yeah it's kind of they've basically gone tq which is the time of the queen's speech minus t modulus and like you minimize that <laughs> it's not really clear what they mean by the time that the tv is switched on or the time that the queen's speech is on because the time the queen's speech is on is a moment in time it's measured like as a number from the start of midnight or whatever but the time the tv is switched on could be any length of time at any time of day in any quantity of periods of time so it's not you know, you know it's, it's like you turn the tv on and it stays on for 10 minutes and then switches itself off like it's not a it's not a single I also, value i also like that they've defined time in both t and tq it says the time 
using the decimal form of twenty-four hour clock. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite clear so what I'm they just, mean by that. <laughs> well, it, and let's let's not forget it's all been raised to the power Q, which is listed as one of the misery factors yeah yeah, yeah. They, I think they're, they're saying that um if you're the kind of person who would be really annoyed by not being able to watch tv then q is higher but they've not given any way how to like actually work out the value so q is one if everyone's completely fine without tv or games or mobile phones but it's higher if uh, if you're the kind of person who would be upset by that and then just doesn't tell you how to calculate it i don't know if there's like a simple quiz you can take that gives you a value for the misery factor i i mean so far so far we haven't heard from christian about this which makes me think that he actually thinks that this is a good formula i'm in stunned silence at the fact (laughs) that they've called the variable they're trying to optimize p mary instead of b mary (laughs) p mary being the percentage chance percentage chance of a merry christmas is what it says so then that would be p brackets merry yes (laughs) yes I'm trying to work out what it does this formula because if you had if you turn the telly on when the Queen's speech was on, then TQ minus T would be nothing, and that whole term would just become one over one or one over one to the Q, which is fine. But the other two terms, you've got little m is the number of mobiles switched on during Christmas Day, and then nm is the number of mobiles in the house on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And then there's a similar thing for G for, G for gaming devices. So you've got a, a fraction of the number of mobiles that are turned on over the total number of mobiles. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are just going to produce, I don't quite understand. Is this going to produce definitely a percentage? I don't. I think it's meant to just be like, if the proportion of mobiles in the house that's switched on are small, that's good. Like that will yes. then minimize the... If you have nothing turned on and you don't watch the Queen's speech... Then it all works out as a hundred, so you've got a hundred percent chance of a good Christmas. Okay, so the optimal. Oh, I Christmas remember it's a percentage chance. I've I've misread yeah, the formula explained. I was thinking this is not going to produce a number between zero and one. How can it be a probability? But you're right, it's a percentage. It's a chance. percentage chance because they're easier to understand. Absolutely, this is definitely yeah. feeling easy to understand. <laughs> it does sound like the optimum Christmas is everyone sits in silence and does nothing, <laughs> uh, apart from when the Queen's speech is on, when you watch it, and then continue to sit in silence i don't know what they want you to do instead of these things it's also interesting that they separate separated out mobile phone use and what they've referred to as gaming machines yes. it's just like have you met a gaming machine <laughs> like oh this uh, this nintendo in the corner here um but like you can play games on a mobile i don't yeah. understand why they separated those things out yeah or on the television so generally, those other two terms should probably capture <laughs> gaming machines. Yeah. Also, it's almost that... like they haven't put a huge amount of thought into this. Yeah. Does that include the board game Mousetrap? Because that is literally a gaming machine. I don't understand how that is not included in that category because it is a <laughs> you know an entire machine that you build as part of the game. But presumably, they would consider that a wholesome family activity because it's a board game. I, I I like the I like the idea that they also don't capture the fact that you might not like your family uh yeah, like maybe talking to them like a lot of people spend christmas yeah what's the probability that people fight mm-hmm. yeah and there's no requirement in this formula to because uh, it's the for mathematical formula to ensure the perfect christmas day is what it says in the caption and it, there's no requirement to eat or exchange presents <laughs> or many of these factors of these are out of your control I, i'd imagine yeah. if you've taken everybody's phones off them at the start of the day 
the rest of Christmas Day might not go too well. Yes, that's true. Yeah. I do like that in the text it says um, the formula uh, is said to be up to 99.9% effective. Yeah, what which the is f- one of those brilliant. Yeah, that? Just... that could be zero, right? Yeah. <laughs> up to is correct, yeah. What happens if your family is spread out and you might want to, you know, talk to them on the phone to wish them a Merry Christmas? Yep. Yep. <laughs> So yes. I, I don't like to look into these formulas in too much detail because obviously they're nonsense. <laughs> and they're, they're just made up to get some notation inside an advert that will go in the newspaper. Really, you have to look at them as, as postmodern artifacts. Like the, Lots of the postmodernists like to use mathematical notation to say whatever nonsense it was. Um, but really, you have to look at it in context and you have to look at how it's reported, which is why I came up with the a periodicals nonsense formula disapprovomatic 3000. 3000 added very much in the spirit of the nonsense formula, where I noticed that different news outlets report these things in different ways. Mainly, they achieve the main uh, object of the formula, which is to get the name of the product or organization sponsoring it in the article. But there are some other categories that I ended up looking for. A large quantity of articles will refer to boffins, although I think that's going out of fashion a bit now. There's been a bit of a backlash. Very few articles linked to the actual work that's referred to. If it's something that, say, there was a paper on the archive, like the first thing we talked about, very few uh, stories will link to that. Uh, They will link to the Amazon page for the product being sold. If you give them enough money. (laughs) I I don't know if money changes hands here, apart from the, well, whatever small fee we worked out it would be to the the scientist who puts their name to it to sell their dignity. It's saving the newspaper the effort of writing an article to go on that page, right? They're just giving them a free page of text that they can just print. So, Yeah. It's interesting seeing how the formula itself is displayed in lots of places because obviously newspaper publishing systems aren't set up to typeset maths nicely very often. So it'll differ. Either they'll have a go at doing it in line with subscripts and superscripts and generally just forget about fractions. I have seen one once where... The fraction went missing. We got the numerator. And <laughs> then the rest of the formula didn't make any sense because they didn't have the right symbols, but who cares? Sometimes it's an extremely blurry screenshot that they've been sent by the researcher. The Daily Mail actually does really well on this, and I don't know why. <laughs> they, uh, they will often they'll link to the research. Once there was something Stephen Hawking did ages ago about betting, and they actually hosted the paper he had written. PDFs, charts, it was everything. It was absolutely incredible. I don't know how why they go above and beyond everybody else. It feels like the Daily Mail are basically the leading purveyors of this type of ridiculous bollocks. So they've now done enough <laughs> of them that they've seen enough formulae that they've learned how to typeset them properly. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. I was, I was going to talk about how you can spot the... They get a press release and basically they have to change some of the words like you would when you're at school changing the article off wikipedia to make it look like your work and you can spot the phrases that reappear i've had this just recently my first years i've handed in a history of maths essay and i did have one saying oh look i'm really struggling with this because i can't think of another word for this word <laughs> oh, oh no no she's written a sentence and i said oh this word should be something else and she said but that's what it said in the original i had to find a different word for it and i'm like that's not paraphrasing <laughs> 
So, so Christian, what are the these key phrases that you've identified? Yeah, well, and if you can, could you please put them in some sort of ridiculous uh, percentage-based equation so that we can now identify them in the future? Oh, I don't know. Formula for the perfect nonsense formula <laughs> story. No, I'm not happy with that. <laughs> Boffins is one that turns up a lot. Puzzled for centuries, for some reason, turned up quite a lot. If you can say that this this problem has. Uh, persisted throughout time that's good uh some kind of reference to maths being hard and the name for the person who's supposedly done the work if it's not boffin it would be researcher um there aren't many other words that news articles will use mathematician's a good one even if it's not a mathematician (laughs) i i always i always like complex equation oh yeah that's Yep, that's always that's always a good one to show. Like they really know what's going on here. Yeah. Oh, predictions another one. Mm. If something can predict, even if it's just like giving you the formula. Like there was one for a recipe, or you. Um, I will get onto who that is in a bit. So if it's a recipe for how to do something, it's still it's a formula <laughs> to predict. <laughs> that's not right. Yeah. You keep using that word, but I do not think it means what you think it means. Yeah. I'm just looking back through my uh, comprehensive archive of articles about these nonsense formulas. And the one that Stephen Hawking did, it was uh, how to score in a penalty shootout. And the disapprovomatic, I've got all my usual columns. And then the last one is unexpectedly insults Luis Suarez. (laughs) And just over half of the article did it. Nice. And as far as I can tell, that wasn't in the press release. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> was this like right after one of the times that he bit somebody? Oh, it probably was, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. 2014, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's not a World Cup year. No, mm. no but, but he bit someone as a Liverpool player too. He bit people in all sorts of contexts. And, and as an Ajax player, he's, he's l- literally man. bit three different people, three different times <laughs> on the pitch. Oh, are we going to talk about Eugenia Chang? Well, since you previewed it, I think you'd better... I do not know how to feel about Eugenia Cheng. <laughs> She's really, obviously, very keen on popularizing maths, which lots of us are. And her recent efforts have been quite interesting. Like her books have been really good, quite compelling stuff about baking and things like that, really good. But she seems to have started out with doing these nonsense formulas for all sorts of different places. And the formulas would come out, they'd be more on the nonsense end than the makeup like clearly whether she's done some modeling or not um i think that christmas tree one was some of her students a few years ago is that right yeah quite yeah. possibly it was at yeah, sheffield where sheffield. she was um, I mean, she has, she's done some which are basically founded in maths like i've seen she did one about scones uh, a little well, that while was ago used on the bake-off this year really oh wow it was it was like the amount of cream and jam you meant to put on top of a scone, which yeah. in in Britain, if anyone doesn't realise this, this is a crucial, very important matter. Um, but you you kind of you put like a bit of cream and then you put a bit of jam, and she'd modelled it as like a cylindrical wadge of cream on top of the scone and then some jam <laughs> on that or whichever way around it goes. Um, and oh, she'd yeah. done like the formula for the volume of a cylinder and this is how much jam and this is how much cream. And I, I kind of liked it because you could imagine like a school teacher who wants to teach about cylinders could actually take the article to their students and say look can you see that she's used this formula and this is the formula for a cylinder and this is how much cream and jam you would need and they could do some you know scones in class and it would be great and it'd be a nice activity but like 
it was based on this actual mathematical formula, which is fantastic. But the main problem I have with it is that she is like a, an actual researcher. She's done a PhD, like she's a, a mildly medium profile person in terms of maths outreach. And like the fact that she does these gives all the other ones credence. Like the fact that someone who's actually relatively well known actually partakes in this kind of stuff means that anyone who then just, you know, wangs a bunch of variables in a pile and, you know, doesn't bother with dimensional analysis and, and throws it on a newspaper is considered to be the same level of scientist as someone who's actually taken a mathematical formula and applied it to a real world modeling situation. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a spectrum, I guess, because some of the stuff that she's done is at different points on the spectrum of rigor. But, you know, if you're doing it properly, anyone who isn't doing it properly then also benefits from that. And it winds me up immensely because most of them are just crap. So if I was asked to do one, I would probably either say I will do it for an immense amount of money like a large enough amount of money that they would definitely say no. And then I could at least say, you know, well, you know, if they'd been prepared to pay, but, you know, I would not be prepared to do that lightly because I don't think that anything I did would either come across correctly. I would be hundred percent prepared for them to twist what I'd said and make it say whatever they wanted. <laughs> I wouldn't be prepared to make up a formula to justify the statement that they want me to justify, which it looks like is a lot of the case what they're doing. But also I wouldn't want to, to make it look legitimate when other people do this and just spend no time on it at all and just make something up. And that's why you haven't got one of these gigs, I guess. Yeah. No, well, I, I, yeah. I had one asked, someone asked once about doing some life hack equations, things like if you get to the train station and you walk down to the far end of the platform so that you can get on at that end of the train and then at the other end, you're already in the right place and, you know, you save a little bit of time. And they were like, could you help us to calculate how much time people can save? And it sounded really unclear what they actually wanted me to do. I was like, you give me some values. You're going to specify a specific train journey or, you know, a specific station with a given platform length or whatever. But they were very, very vague about what they were going to do. And they initially sounded like they were interested in me doing it, but then eventually they just never got back to me about it. So no, see, that's when you definitely accept and expense a ton of very long train trips to them for research. <laughs> uh, also, by the way, if anyone wants one of these done, I am cheap and I don't care about my uh, reputation. See the silence there. Everyone knows that I'm not lying. No comments. <laughs> uh, so I want I want to thank all of you uh, for joining me, and I want everyone to remember: don't watch much television unless it's the queen's speech especially if you're in the united states and mention christmas as much as you can especially after christmas because that's when people are sad and the word christmas makes people happy that's what i've learned i reckon saying christmas as much as possible in february will make everyone delighted <laughs> <laughs> that's what saying i find. It right now is getting me pretty excited so i won't disagree with that <laughs> uh, so christian katie peter thank you so much for joining me and talking about this very good merry christmas merry christmas Thanks, Yo ho ho. Wait, that's pirates. Ho ho ho. <laughs> that is all the time we have for this festive episode of Relatively Prime. I want to thank my guests, Peter, Christian, and Katie. Oh, and you too, Paul. I didn't forget you this time, I, I promise. For joining me for this holiday episode. You can read more of their work over at aperiodical.com, which is definitely my favorite mathematics site to read, but maybe don't tell them that I actually admitted that. Relatively Prime is brought to you by its amazing patrons on Patreon. If you want to help support the show, like, and I'm sorry, ahead of time for the pronunciations this time, Michelangelo Gringy, 
and Andres Lutovoy have, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash relprime or relprime.com and click the support link. It would be the best possible present ever if you did just that. Plus, if you do support the show, you can get some bonus content. And this time, it's going to be a collage of problems that we all had getting on the line together with the best Christmas song mathematics can give us. The music in this episode was from Vikentstorama3000, who you can find at SoundCloud or through the show notes for this episode on relprime.com. If you have any feedback, you just want to, you know, give me a shout, you can contact me, Samuel at acmescience.com. That really is my personal email address. So it'll, you know, pop up on my phone if you send me an email. So I'm definitely going to see it and I will definitely respond. And if you can't give to the show through Patreon, but you still want to give us some support, first of all, totally understand. I am so there with you. And second, all you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help bump the show up the rankings and gets it in front of more eyes and therefore in more ears. Finally, Relatively Prime is licensed with a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license. So please feel free to remix my voice to say whatever you like. As long as you say those words originally came from Relatively Prime. Thank you so much for listening. And please have a matherific holiday season. Bye, y'all. <laughs>